Hello and welcome to Quiz Time India, India's first quizzing and trivia podcast. Did you know the Swahili word for a coconut is nazi? Or did you know in Maori the word Maori means normal? If you like such literal and metaphysical facts, you have come to the right place, the right podcast, Quiz Time India. First up, to begin the episode, I need to thank all the people who have donated to the podcast in the last few weeks. Sandeep, Prashant, Fenin, Jayant, Kamya, Pooja, K, Pranav, Chandan and Gangs. Thank you all of you. You all have been an excellent audience. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Remember, you too can support us by contributing to the podcast. You can donate to keep this show running. You can go to www.instamojo.com slash at the rate studio 41. Or if you are on PayPal, you can go to www.paypal.me slash studio 41 pod. Contribute whatever amount you like from 10 rupees to 10,000. It's all good. No money is less. Every penny counts. The link is in the description. Going further, I must add the side project slash newsletter discontent. This is definitely a pleasant surprise. I never was a writer. I am not a writer, but it is more than 200 people trust me with their recommendations. Uh, So it is officially not a side project. Small victories, small joys. This week on the newsletter, we have a video explaining the science behind American talk shows, an Oscar-winning documentary, and an introduction to one of the least known but fascinating singer-songwriters of all time, Sixto Rodriguez. All this and much more for you to enjoy over the week. All of this for free. This content, your friendly algorithm-free recommendations newsletter, discontent.substack.com. Link is in the description. And one final thing, talking about newsletters, do check out our newsletter, Cricket Quota. It is primarily about cricket, anniversaries of the great games and performances, cricket matches, cricket stories and cricket memes. Yeah, that is a thing. All of it direct to your inbox for free, cricketquota.substack.com. Go through these sites and subscribe. The link for both the newsletters is in the description. And now, let us get to some quizzing. First of all, there has been a pending question, pending audience question. Rajat Guru Raj was on the show and this was his question. Okay, so uh, I think for lovers of painting, uh, this this should be a fairly uh, straightforward question. But here goes. So this French painter was passing through a French village, Giverny. Uh, on a train and he was very taken by the beauty of that place and it inspired him so much that in 1883 he moved there uh, permanently and and imported some plants for his garden there from Egypt and South America. So when he imported them it drew the ire of local authorities Uh, and the city council of Givani or the village council of Givani demanded he approved the plants before they poisoned the area's water. But thankfully this painter did not uh, agree with them and ignored them. So eventually these plants feature prominently in this famous series of about 250 
landscape paintings uh, and so what i want to know is which is this painter which is this french painter and what is the name of these series of paintings so which painter and which series of paintings and the correct answer was monet's water lilies well done to all of you who sent in the correct answer it was quite heartening to see how many people knew this answer well done all of you and now to this week's episode this week on the show we have ami goradia a few weeks ago i had put out a question on social media uh, asking if there's anyone that you would want to see or hear on the podcast and a whole lot of you said ami goradia and it was an absolute pleasure for me to host her on the podcast Ami is a quiz master and an entrepreneur. She's a known name in the world of quizzing, a passionate and highly successful quizzer herself. She won the title of the brain in her alma mater in Rajkot, Gujarat for almost 25 years now. Ami has been conducting quizzes at schools, colleges, clubs and for corporates in India and outside India. It was as I said earlier, it was a total pleasure to have Ami on the show. So without any delay, And on that note, welcome to Quest Time India. Hello Ami, welcome to Quest Time India. I am really happy that you took out the time to join me on the podcast to join me on the show. In fact, I can safely say that it's just not me who's happy. A lot of our listeners would be happy too because uh, a lot of uh, the listeners of the podcast kept saying, "Can you please get her on the show?" And I think all of us are really happy that you took out the time and we could do this session. We could have this tiny quiz of ours. Uh, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Wonderful, wonderful to be on your show, Aditya. And yes, I've heard uh, the previous podcasts, and you're doing a great job. So it's an honor and pleasure both to be here with you today. Absolutely amazing. So for those listeners who are joining us for the first time and for your benefit, I'll just quickly lay out the rules. There are not much rules. This is quizzing, but this is not competitive quizzing. This is more relaxed. This is storytelling, trivia, and uh, basically TILs. At the end of each question, the audience will go. I'm pretty sure. Wow, I didn't know that. That's new information. Some food for thought for the audience. And how we do it is we take turns asking these questions. I have a bunch of questions ready, and uh, so have you. And uh, through the questions, if ever hints are required. Uh, those are welcome i encourage you to speak out your mind uh, your chain of thought so if i have a question how did you reach to the answer because uh, that really gets you inside the head of a quizzer and how we think how do we connect these dots and how do we see the larger picture uh, does that make sense amy ami absolutely absolutely perfect all right since i am the host i will ask the first question of today's quiz and this question is quite interesting so we start out with a person called louis fisher louis fisher was writing this book about two contrasting personalities and we will be concentrating on one of the personalities while talking about this personality there's a special uh, segment where fisher is talking about this personality's approach towards conflict or this person's philosophy towards conflict and to describe this uh, philosophy 
Fisher used what is called an epigram, which is like a literary tool, which is sort of a remark expressing an idea in a clever or amusing way, right? So here, what Fisher did, the epigram that he used was basically a twist on a famous biblical injunction in the book of Exodus 21-24. Our listeners can find it there. Now, basically, Fisher was describing, here comes the question, Fisher was describing this person's philosophy and he said out these words which a lot of the readers through years, through generation, misread as an actual quote by this person. Although it wasn't said by that person, it was Fisher's words, but people misread it. And then, since then, weirdly enough, as happens in life, this quote is attributed to this famous personality. In fact, it's not does not belong to them. So basically, I want you to tell me is who is this famous person and what did they allegedly say? Does this help you anywhere? Nothing so far. It's been a while since I've been on the other side of the firing line. (laughs) It's been a while. We are talking about a famous political personality. And Fisher was describing this person's philosophy towards conflict, towards fighting and towards, uh, you know, anything, uh, people going up against each other. And while doing so, he used a phrase or a say a line from the Bible. He slightly changed a few words here and there. And that's what this person did. But people, at least our Indian people, took it in a different sense. And they thought, oh, this person said these words. And now famously, we have this political figure attributed to saying, oh, but someone else said it. It was Fisher's words, which got misattributed to this famous political personality. (laughs) I'm afraid it just doesn't ring a bell at this moment, at least. So Uh, let's just start with the famous political personalities who could have views on conflict about armed uh, uh, use and about uh, struggles and things like that. We're talking about Indian famous Indian personalities. Someone who had deep philosophies entrenched and which are pretty much the core of a nation, one could say talking about Gandhiji. Yes, we are talking about Gandhiji. So, Fisher was describing Gandhiji's idea of non-violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. Fisher was describing Gandhiji's uh, ethos of non-violence, of uh, peaceful uh, struggle and all of these things. And in there, he used a phrase from the Bible, which was slightly, uh, words were slightly changed, slightly different. And people thought, oh, Gandhiji said these words, but Gandhiji never said those words. Although Gandhiji pretty much preached those words. Mm, you will have to give it out. Yeah. So basically, this is the line which Fisher wrote in his book. So he wrote a book in 1947 called Gandhi and Stalin. And the yes. idea of this work was uh, these two contrasting figures and uh, how different their ideologies were, how different their philosophies were. And in there, he writes about Gandhi, the shreds of individuality cannot be sewed together with a bayonet, nor can democracy be restored, and now comes the part, according to the biblical injunction of an eye for an eye, which in the end would make everybody blind. 
and that oh. is where we get the famous mahatma gandhi quote an eye for an eye will yeah. make the whole world blind and like, apparently yes, bapu absolutely. never <laughs> bapu never said it never said it it was oh, attributed to uh, mahatma gandhi and i think one of the reasons why it was so famously attributed to mahatma gandhi was because it was kept in the script of gandhi the movie richard ah, attenborough yes yes so i think people heard movie yeah so people heard ben kingsley's gandhi say an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind and thought oh this must be mahatma gandhi's quote and now we have sarkari offices all over the country all over the, the countries <laughs> with a nice plaques of an eye for an eye leaves the whole world blind by mahatma gandhi so that was the first question right and before we go on to a break let me tell you that there is a new podcast coming out a new trivia podcast coming out and i think you should definitely check out i'm putting the trailer for the podcast here and their podcast will be out soon do show them some love do give them your time i think this is going to be something really good check it out did you know the policemen trying to corner a japanese revolutionary group made cup noodles a global phenomenon or that the stacking jenga tower was a happy accident from a playful family in africa talking of giants is a podcast discussing these stories and more talking of giants explores the giants of different sectors of life and the stories that make them fascinating this season we look at stories of brands some famous some endearing and some deservingly notorious join me vikhyat motyala you can find talking of giants on spotify google podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and oh don't tell them but a certain famous cola drinks story is more dramatic than an indian soap opera yeah see you on wednesday yes so now it's your turn uh, to ask your first question and i'm really looking forward to this oh well mine is absolute trivia mm-hmm. but most very interesting trivia according to me let's see your response yes yeah goes the shimla agreement happened in 1972 which came about after the indo pak war of 1971 which liberated bangladesh and pakistan had to eat humble pie mm-hmm. now of course it was held in shimla and mm-hmm. the pakistan delegation was led by the then pm zulfikar ali bhutto Mm-hmm. His young 19-year-old daughter Benazir accompanied her father as her mother was indisposed. Okay. She was studying at Harvard at that time and flew down specially to accompany her father. Mm-hmm. Benazir was young and carefree in those days, very much the young generation of the early 70s. Mm-hmm. Nothing political about her visit of course. She was just enjoying the unexpected holiday in Shimla. Now for 3 days the entire town was gripped by the Benazir fever particularly teenage girls who later adopted her hairstyle and her dress Now she was mobbed wherever she went either for sightseeing or for shopping and autograph seekers despite tight security flocked around her and she did not disappoint anyone Now once while going around the city she walked into a music store where she asked for something she wished to take back home from india with her hmm what do you think she would have asked for at a music store in india in shimla yes. 
and the year yes. is 1972 absolutely my first guess would be bollywood music but i am guessing that would have reached pakistan so they wouldn't have to uh, look for records in india am i on the right track is it bollywood music yes yes bollywood music yes oh it is bollywood music yes yes absolutely oh okay interesting hmm bollywood music 1970s i'm guessing this must be one of those films which had an indo pak war at the on the background and because it's a indo pak war movie uh maybe it didn't get a release in pakistan and hence you can't find the music in pakistan is that a correct line of thought i'm afraid not okay is there any hint that you can give okay let me just guess 1970 okay. which which is the albums that come to mind i think guide comes to mind <laughs> aradhana comes to mind but <laughs> <laughs> those, those are those are good guesses those are absolutely good guesses oh hmm. if you want a hint you can ask yes me. yes please that will be great okay so th- this was 1972 and the film was released in 1971 and the music was a rage all over the indian subcontinent and i am not sure about that bit when you spoke about the records being available in pakistan mm-hmm. okay so i think okay. there's little wonder that she probably asked for it in india 1971 hindi film music some and this was the very early 70s and uh, it was all about the end of the 60s the fag end of the 60s hmm. that was obviously projected in the film ah i think i think i know where this is going <laughs> i think i know where this is going is the zinat aman make i'm sure you do zinat aman make an appearance somewhere in this question in this u o t r t Hare Rama Hare Krishna <laughs> you're absolutely right she did ask for the music records of devanand hare ram hare krishna the film had just released in 71 uh-huh. the music was the rage the hippy culture of the 60s absolutely was mesmerizingly depicted in the movie and who can forget zina taman in that film and of course uh, the singing sensation usha utup was born in bollywood oh i didn't know that Yes. That was the first. Do you remember the songs? And you know, um of course you know Usha Utup, right? Mm, Who yeah. doesn't know her? But and of course uh, there was this little story about uh, Dammarodam. You remember mm. Dammarodam of course. Yes. It was like the anthem. It was like the anthem of the younger generation of the 70s. <laughs> and uh, Asha Bosle sang it. Mm-hmm. But apparently Usha Utup was to sing it along with her. And okay. they had already rehearsed for it, but somehow on the day of the rehearsal, Usha Utup was never called, and it was oh. the song was sung only by Asha Bosle, and this was revealed uh, as late as 2019 on the Kapil Sharma show by Usha, Usha Utup, and I'll be very very graciously as only Usha Utup can tell the story, but <laughs> but you're absolutely right. That does make sense. In fact, uh, I remember a while back on the podcast there was uh, another question of uh, Ziaul Haq's daughter. She mm-hmm. saw Hathi Mere Saathi 
and she went up to her father zia was uh, i think zia was the one who overthrew uh, zulfikar ali bhutto and zia was a military dictator a terror of sorts in this part of the world and she right. went up to him and said i want a hathi because she had seen the film and <laughs> she and, must have been quite young at that time yeah, she absolutely. asked for a hathi yeah and what would the man do so they couldn't find the elephant apparently in pakistan you don't have elephants so they had to get one from sri lanka uh, his name was kavan and since uh-huh. then he was left in the islamabad zoo in bad conditions where early morning the elephant would go with a bowl in his hand and people would throw pennies and uh, apparently in 90s he did get a, uh, another elephant her name was saheli but saheli died and later people oh. said that this elephant started uh, developing uh, it wasn't mentally sound because he was alone for such a long time and there was he oh, had grueling hours but i think in 2020 during the pandemic they finally rescued that elephant and he is in vietnam i think right now oh he's in vietnam oh yes. i they just hope ele- he's well because Yeah, they put him in a jungle in care. So yeah, it just wow. reminded me of that yeah. uh, Pakistani premiers and daughters. Our uh, premiers and daughters, yes. Formidable pairs they make. Trust Absolutely. me. <laughs> and before I take you back to the quizzing, this is just a quick reminder that you guys should check out our newsletter discontent. It is free. This week we recommend two outstanding YouTube videos, one enjoyable movie, one drop dot podcast two delightful albums with new music and six cracking articles including a short story believe me this is all the art that you would need this week subscribe to the newsletter to get these recommendations in your inbox for free and now back to the quiz all right so with that we move uh, to the next question and the next question at the heart of it it is something that has happened to all of us all of us have experienced it all of us know of it well at least and this is a clue at least the ones who are not living in antarctica right so what happens right. is there's this particular thing and upon which a lot of research has happened and mm-hmm. upon the research what uh, we have found so far is the frequency of this happening with an individual mostly depends on genetic factors that is the general idea that uh, the medical fraternity has but they say mm-hmm. there are other factors also involved which play a important role but we have not so far sort of uh, figured out why this is the reason at least for some of them so as i said the primary reason for this happening is genetic factors but the other factors are also there for example this thing happens with pregnant women twice as many times as compared to other humans because of factors that pregnant women exhale 21% more carbon dioxide or because they have a slightly higher body temperature so inhaling or exhaling more carbon dioxide leads more chances of this happening and which is also the reason this is more common among adults than children also it is said that alcoholics have to face it more than others we don't know why but alcoholics have to face it more than others also people having high glucose level and uric acid levels also have a high chance of this happening to them quite a random bunch of uh, factors that uh, scientists have found so far and again this will only happen to you if you're not living in antarctica in antarctica you're safe 
So take all these factors into the picture. Tell me what is it that I'm speaking about that has happened to all of us and pretty sure none of us enjoy it. What is being talked about here? So is it the high levels of pollution and that there's no pollution in Antarctica? No, no, no. So it is no, something obviously which Obviously it can't be as easy as that. <laughs> yeah. So it's something which has happened to all of us. Uh, like we have actually felt it. Uh, except say a pollution would be we sort of don't feel it uh, more acutely. This thing you feel it more acutely and uh, th- as I said people say or scientists say there are genetic reasons but apart from that there are other reasons. One is uh, if you exhale more carbon dioxide so pregnant women apparently exhale more carbon dioxide hence they are more susceptible to it. Similarly adults are more susceptible than children then there are other reasons which is alcoholics or uh, people who are under the influence are more susceptible and people who have uh, high uric acid levels and uh, high glucose levels are also more susceptible. Something fairly common, something which I think not a daily basis thing but we do come across it quite often. Do you have any guesses? Uh, Vitamin D levels? No, this is something external that happens to us. Mm. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. This cannot happen in Antarctica because the reason behind it does not exist in Antarctica. The particular thing that causes it does not exist in Antarctica. There are no microorganisms or bacteria. So you're on the right track. Not microorganisms, but something, some other organism which is not in Antarctica, but is quite common yes. around us. So you, yeah. So you don't have you don't have lichens and moss and uh, those, yes, those kind of things. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you're on the right track. Yes. Yeah. So you don't have. Uh, yeah, I would guess lichens and moss and and that that entire family. Nothing really growing there that can that can give out toxic toxins that so, can affect the human body. So you go, you're going into the plant world, but we're talking about the animal world here, actually. Okay, so no bacteria, no viruses, nothing exists. Nothing exists there. Yes, yes. So something else, some specific organism, slightly bigger, only slightly. And we hate it when it happens to us. That's the last thing. It's irritating. It's annoying. And it can cause death also in the worst case. So you're talking about like the mosquitoes and the flies. Yes, 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 yes. You are absolutely right. The chances of a mosquito bite. Mosquito bite. There are no, there are mosquitoes. no mosquitoes. Yeah, but so, so when, oh, yeah, yeah. So when, when I mentioned microorganisms, whatever, I mean, there's no life there per se, right? That yes, was the absolutely. Whole thing. <laughs> you were <laughs> that on was the right the idea. Idea. So people have been doing research on uh, why mosquitoes bite people and why do some people get bitten more than others. And turns out some of the reasons Uh. are exhaling more carbon dioxide, which happens with pregnant women and compared to children, adults release more carbon dioxide. Also, it is said the mosquito which Uh. spreads malaria is Mm -hmm. attracted to the odor of cheese, a specific kind of cheese, which is called Limburger cheese. And the same bacteria which cultures this cheese is found in the human feet and is responsible for the odor that we have, uh, like the feet odor that we have. And hence, which is why mostly humans get bitten on their feet. 
because this bacteria get uh, the mosquitoes get attracted to the smell made by these bacteria and then they go to our feet well i was just subjected to that before we began no one enjoys so, it right like i couldn't take it so <laughs> yeah so that yeah, is exactly what it was uh now is the turn for your next question and uh, i'm quite eager to see what you have for me. oh this is this is uh, again absolute outright trivia mm-hmm. very very workable uh and here goes it's history maulana bakir was the editor of an urdu weekly in delhi called dilli urdu akhbar believed to be the first urdu newspaper of delhi which played a crucial role in uniting people against the british atrocities during the war of independence of 1857 now the revolt started as we know on the 10th of may in meerat and the next day the rebel soldiers had reached delhi and declared the mogul emperor bahadur shah zafar their leader the akhbar hailed the rebel soldiers with when they arrived into delhi in may and it also hailed the jail breaks that rebel soldiers forced and freed the inmates who also became part of the revolt mm-hmm. the newspaper worked to enhance the confidence of the rebel soldiers in beating the british mm-hmm. however a report appeared in the newspaper dated 23rd august 1857 which mm-hmm. mentioned that a large number of fighters had poured into delhi to fight in the war against the british and many of them who were coming into delhi for the first time would wander around the city and of course land up in where else but chandni chowk because everybody obviously mm. wanted to visit chandni chowk mm-hmm. which abounded in eateries mm-hmm. now here these freedom fighters would consume something in rather large quantities mm-hmm. after consuming uh, this particular dish they would become sluggish less aggressive and in mm-hmm. fact so much so that many of them would even lose the urge to fight and kill the enemy wow. now what was it that they consumed which made them so lethargic that even overcame their hatred for the british This is so interesting. So name this and the particular place that they would get it from. <laughs> 1857. So this thing has been around for a while and we are looking at old Delhi. Hmm. I okay, yes, my first guess, my first guess would be it is a rice dish because only after eating rice that you would be so comatose <laughs> that you would be like let the revolution wait. Am I on the right track there? This is the guess. Oh, I'm afraid not. <laughs> not. Hmm. Okay, what could But obviously this really because it's it's a dish obviously it narrows down everything becomes hmm. that much more easier. But is, it's not rice. Yeah. Uh, is is it a non-vegetarian fare that we're talking about? Uh nope. Oh. Oh, this is more like a 20 questions game we are playing now. <laughs> Let me let me just think. Let me just think. Uh 1857 Chandni Chowk and you also asked where in Chandni Chowk. So I'm assuming the establishment is still around or somehow some form is still around. Mm, it was till very recently. Oh, that does sound interesting. 
and right into the 21st century let me put it that way and remember uh, it was 1857 and they already knew about it and they didn't have the net to tell them it's not ice cream so right ha oh, no <laughs> i remember ice cream with the mughals <laughs> so maybe i thought because we're talking about june no, and july and august <laughs> Yes, it is August. Delhi heat, the heat of the plains. Yes, uh, but they already knew about it in 1857, so it had been around for a while. Others they wouldn't have known about it. It looks I'm like I said they didn't have their their cell phones to tell them and the net to tell them where to go in Delhi. Okay, that's interesting that you mentioned it twice. They didn't have the phone where to go in Delhi. So So it was pretty well known, right? Yeah. So people knew I mean the fame that. had spread far and wide Yeah and what could be in I mean name like Kareem's comes into mind but I'm not sure if uh, Kareem's is still around so that wouldn't be a uh, No yes yeah. it can't be yeah I don't think Kareem's was around at that time but I'm yeah. not sure No 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 I don't think I don't think so it isn't that old This was started in the 18th century. Hmm. Um thinking. Um okay, it's just a guess because I okay, no. Chart was Shah Jahan's time, so that was a bit earlier than that. And I know that came up from the same area, Shah Jahanabad and yes, so did Nihari. Nalli Nihari. Okay, since you are you are you are you are on that track let me give you one hint that this place got its name uh because shah jahan used to send out uh, uh, his messenger to pick up something from here and the elephant would come with its bell on which would go tingling and that's oh. how this place also got this other name Okay this is really interesting now so shahjahan sends his elephant i'm just thinking old delhi what are the famous phase uh, you know there's a there's this one lane of parathas but i'm not sure if uh, paratha would be the thing i mean yeah if you have too many of them so of course make... the ghee the ghee on the parathas would make <laughs> yeah. you see for sure <laughs> but no i think uh, you'll have to uh, tell me the answer I'll give you one more okay Uh, in fact it was it was so famous that in 1954 indira gandhi sent boxes and boxes of food from here to our indian troops in stationed in korea at that time wow yes so okay mm. and uh, bhr yeah. chopra had made a film in 54 called chandni chowk if you remember uh, i mean no, you may not of course but a replica of the shop was created on the set in mumbai to give the film an authentic feel in fact bhr chopra had said chandni chowk without x unthinkable okay, yeah so now this is the ghante wala sweets okay? okay it was called the ghante wala sweets shahjahan's ganta the bell on the elephant yeah. of shah jahan who would come to pick up mithais hmm. from gantewala sweets and chiefly sohan halwa which is its most famous dish okay. so all these 
<laughs> freedom fighters gorged would gorge on sohan halwa and other sweets from gantewala sweets which incidentally was established in 1790 wow and yes and uh, uh the editor of the newspaper maulana mohammad bakir mm. used to travel all around delhi during those times to see what was going on because he knew that he had to give first hand account to his readers and mm. this is what he saw which no one else noticed and observed <laughs> and he put it on that, that very day that he observed and that is what happened and of course eventually um he was he was very close I mean this is just trivia by the side mm. of course he was very close to Bahadur Shah Zafar uh-huh. and he renamed his newspaper as Akhbar Al Zafar for the last 10 issues of his newspaper and that was mm. until Delhi fell and most unfortunately Maulana was shot dead at point blank range by a certain captain Hudson wow and that was the end of the newspaper But, Zafar yes, went to Ur- Rangoon. I guess uh, that was the end of ah, the revolution. Yes. And that was the end of that particular, of course, just that 1857 revolt. And that was the end. But Sohanwal, Gantewala uh, sweets carried on way into the 21st century. But unfortunately, there were a lot of problems with the land that was that uh, the shop was on. Mm-hmm. and they couldn't continue the brothers had separated but and despite all their efforts when and they tried to uh, make the sweets from home and sell them they used to get plenty of orders but eventually they couldn't handle it and they had to shut it down and in fact there are interviews still that they still if anybody is willing to help them out they would still like to get it back on its feet gantewala sweets sohan halwa <laughs> Today That's I learned. Today I learned. Absolutely brilliant question. I love. I really love how yeah. where all it went, and I think that's that's when the question is uh, more juicy, right? When all these stories, yeah. all these characters <laughs> come together, and at their heart come of together. it is halwa. Is is yeah? At the end of it, it's just a halwa. But but so much more to the halwa. So much, so much more history. So shall we move to your last question then? Oh yes. This is uh, a question about food. Since you asked me about ah. food item and this one is rather easy, but it is a question so I will go ahead with it and we are talking about a Spanish stew called ola podrida. Ola as in O L L A podrida P O D R I D A. It's a stew made up of beans or chickpeas, and uh, then there are various meats also which go into it, uh, like pork, bacon, chicken, beef. Along with that, there are vegetables such as carrots, leeks, potatoes, onions. Now it is a Spanish uh, stew. It got famous all around Germany and parts of Switzerland. Now, literally, if you have to break it down, ola podrida means a powerful pot, but. due to some misunderstanding in translation it became the rotten pot now this rotten pot of a dish ended up in france where they gave it a french name what happened later was the name stayed 
this thing went all over the world the name at least went all over the world but the name got associated with a different thing altogether which is usually just made up of dried plants and herbs so can you tell me what is it that i'm speaking about what is this an origin of it's a spanish too went to germany switzerland had some mistranslation powerful pot became a rotten pot then went to french where it got its current name but with time it stopped being the food item and it started being uh, this assimilation of sorts of uh, dried plants and herbs popuri brilliant brilliant <laughs> that is exactly what it was in <laughs> french pot means pot and puri means rotten the item is used for providing something which totally goes opposite for its name uh, pot puri is anything but rotten smelling so that is the idea yeah yeah correct and the word was taken when the french were occupying burgos uh, b u r g o s yes, burgos yes. under napoleon as uh, ola podrida was a speciality of the city and hence that is where it started apparently it starts it dates all the way back to 16th century uh, by a cook who was the chef of pope pius the 5th and on that note we move to your last question that was correct answer though oh, this is also very easy and i have a corollary as well which relates to food but let's go to the main question Mm-hmm. This young man was in a downward spiral of drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. He was living in a trailer with his wife and he was taking enough drugs to kill himself. In mm-hmm. a haze he scribbled out a novel. In his day job he was a teacher who had one of his students kill herself. She was an mm-hmm. outcast who was picked on and bullied in school. In his mm-hmm. novel he created an alternative reality. in his reality his student who had been bullied almost to death not only survived but visited vengeance on her tormentors the writer finished the novel but in a drunken stupor threw it in the trash oh his wife helped him pull up the plane just in time she found the novel in the trash can took it out read it and convinced the writer to submit it to a publisher and mm. the rest is history who is this writer uh is this the writer's only book oh no, writer... no 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 okay. no 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 oh no no i was thinking about uh, i forgot the name the swedish author who wrote uh, the trilogy girl with dragon tattoo and all of those because it had a similar story it was about a girl that he knew uh much much earlier and when he was younger and he could not save her something about that so he created a character which sort of ends up taking vengeance and uh, does much better at least in the literary world uh, uh no 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 so, no so nope. it's someone else uh, in fact he has written probably 200 short stories most of which have been published in book collections 62 novels actually Oh so it must be one of those uh, prolific Sidney Sheldon type of a writer who writes a book every couple of years who used to write at least Pro- probably yes probably but it's not Sidney Sheldon 
It's not him, of course. Uh, who was the guy who wrote the firm? Jeffrey Archer. Jeffrey Archer. Does he know? I don't think he seems like a guy who would live in a trailer and would have such <laughs> habit. You want a hint? I can yes, give you. Yes, yes. I'll wait till. Okay, he, his son is also an author now, and a well, pretty well-known author. Intriguing. Sixty odd books. Now, can't be Terry Pratchett also. <laughs> It doesn't seem Terry. No, would no, not be. Terry Pratchett. No. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think Terry's. In fact, this this particular book that uh, came out of the trash can is one of the most frequently banned books in in the U.S., especially in the 1990s, because of its violence, cursing, and a very negative view of religion. Hmm. It was banned in the 90s, so that is rather recent. Oh yes, he's still writing. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. Sixty uh, plus books, short stories. Uh, uh, what was the? I read a short story recently. I forgot the person's name. No, but that person has died. I forgot the name of the story, and I forgot the name of the writer. But that person is dead, so I'm pretty sure that's not the answer. <laughs> it was a short story about a no. kid who jumps off a swimming pool boat for the first time. And the fear and everything ah, which comes no, with. No, no, no. Ah. Okay, one uh, another. Oh, this is absolute trivia, but mm. this particular author eats this dessert every day before he starts writing. <laughs> and he says the idea came to him from his son, who also has to eat a little bit of creme brulee before he starts writing. That's. And this definitely. author loves to eat cheesecake. and he must have a slice before he begins to start writing and father and son have also collaborated on a book published no, it, in as recent as 2017 well this seems like it's tantalizingly close but it I'm, is now it can't be crickton that's creepy talking 90s book has been banned multiple times in us because of uh, strong nature of the material And yes. The son is also a sort of a writer of repute in its own way. And oh, he has a very high standing in pop culture. The father or the son? The okay. father. Okay, this a guess. Is it the person who's uh, written uh, uh, the Game of Thrones series and all of those? But no, I don't think his books have been banned yet or any such sort. No, no, they are not banned. It, this one was banned for a while. So, in fact, um, the father-son duo. In fact, le- le- let me give you a hint. He, he has an epithet, okay, and the epithet is a play on his surname. Uh, they have a epithet is a play on the surname. I think you'll have to give me the answer, and I'll probably <laughs> <laughs> okay. not enjoy this. <laughs> well, he has been described as the king of horror. Ah, <laughs> I didn't know his. I didn't know uh, the story of uh, Stephen King and the fact that he has a cheesecake before starts writing. And of course, <laughs> he has sixty odd books. Of course, it has to be him. Ah, Stephen King, King of Horror, <laughs> and Owen King, his son. And the book that was banned was uh, for for a few years was Carrie. Oh, I didn't know Gary was based on uh, Stephen King. Oh, no, 
Yes, Carrie and Carrie had, of course, telekinesis in the book. The project yes. was Carrie had telekinesis. And uh, the book, uh, in fact, his wife, Tabitha, mm-hmm. the one who found the book and resurrected him, so to speak, is also a writer. In fact, I think Carrie, uh, he's dedicated the book to her that saying this is for Tabby, who got me into it and then bailed me out of it. So <laughs> that is Stephen King, who loves to eat cheesecake before he begins writing the son Owen King who loves to eat creme brulee before he starts writing and Tabitha who kept them all together I presume <laughs> so that is yes, rather lovely Stephen King it is it is in fact that you know he uh, he wrote seven novels under a pen name Richard Bachman ah that is Stephen King yes Seven of his books were written under the pen name Richard Bachman. And, you know, he used to write frequently. So he decided that since his first book had come under his name, mm-hmm. he well, he was under the impression that doling out books under the same name will not do anything for sales. For some reason, he was under that misconception. So, you know, he, he tried to give different names to the author of his books. But little uh-huh. did he realize that anyway, he was on his way to the top. Yeah, absolutely. You can't, and you can't keep a good man down, <laughs> good author down. So I don't think there's any uh, bookstore, bookshelf, be it an airport, be it a library, be it uh, anywhere which won't have a Stephen King book lying in some corner right now. In some corner, yes. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, absolutely. that's the least it'll have is a corner, <laughs> maybe a shelf itself. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, that is uh, the that's an amazing question. That is definitely something that I learned today. I had no idea about it. And on that note, I mean, we come to the last segment of today's episode, which is the audience question. So how we do it is you get to ask the question, and the audience are Janta. They if they can listen to the question, and if they have a guess, if they have an educated guess, or if they know the answer, they can reach out to us on social media. They can reach out to us and on at the rate Quiz Time India on Instagram and Facebook, or at the rate Podcast Studio Forty One on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And over to you with the audience question. Sure, uh, this of course is an extremely easy question, and it's a very contemporary geography question. It goes like this. Now, behaving like a country, this society of people is trying to become the next new country. They seceded from a country in 1991, which is the most unstable country. The new peoples are relatively peaceful, stable and democratic. They were once a British colony and the parent country an Italian colony. Other than this difference in colonial heritage, little differentiated them. When the colonies gained independence in 1960, they unified within a week. But after a horrific civil war of the 1980s and after 31 years together, these peoples declared independence. In the following years, the original country collapsed into chaos, warring factions fought for control and followed by the Al-Qaeda-linked terrorist groups doing the same. This breakaway society, meanwhile, started to build a relatively free and stable democratic system and says that it is a functioning country that deserves recognition. 
name the geographical territory hmm that is the question and you can send in your answers to us and on that note ami thank you so much for taking out the time thank you so much for doing this uh, for taking part in this quiz i am absolutely thrilled that you did so and i really really enjoyed your session for our listeners and as i said there are a lot of them who really wanted you on the podcast but i'm pretty sure you would have converted a whole new set of fans today uh how do they get in touch with you how can they follow your quizzes if you could tell us that that would be absolutely great well i'm on instagram on my pages at quizzing with ami so in fact i am celebrating quizzing with ami's first birthday on the 29th of june there's a contest going on every tuesday and friday questions are being asked and a lot of giveaways is happening and of course along with bragging rights <laughs> so you can still tune in join in join the fun it's all about knowledge a, a lot of give and take and knowledge sharing so hope to see more of you there and, definitely uh, aditya this was absolutely fun evening thoroughly enjoyed myself you had some super questions and uh, let's hope we can do something more together beyond this And this brings us to the end of the podcast. This brings us to the end of the episode. Remember, you can support this podcast. You can help this podcast by contributing to the podcast. You can donate to keep the show running. You can go to www.instamojo.com/at-the-rate-studio-41 and www.paypal.me/studio41pod. Contribute whatever amount you like. Apart from that. do follow our newsletters this content which is just movie music uh, videos and podcast recommendations and the other one is cricket quota which is uh, it's about the game we all love that is cricket the biggest stories nostalgia memes videos all carefully curated check us out on cricketquota.substack.com the previous newsletter was discontent.substack.com subscribe to the newsletters to get all of this straight to your inbox for free That'll be all for today. This is me signing off. Take care. Have a good time.